in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts, Brother Phil. And Sister Crystal. The Millennial Reign of Christ. How did it look? I'd like to know. Basically, the idea behind this show is that, well, we know we're beyond the millennial reign of Christ, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what it was like. I, I had a previous show that it wasn't utopia, and there wasn't some kind of like, oh, everything's great, there's no more sin in the world, and all that. Like, a lot of preachers mm. are saying it's going to, what they think the millennial reign of Christ was going to be look like. Mm. What we're saying here is that it didn't look like a normal kingdom, and we're going to show you the characteristics of what the millennial reign looked like. So many answers to so many questions, but we'll just start with the obvious. We're going to start in the book of Acts here, and it gives you an indicator of what it was like. This is when Jesus was ascending into heaven. The apostles had some, you know, like almost like last-minute questions for Christ. <laughs> so that's what we're going to go over now. Let's, we'll go ahead and read Acts chapter 1, verse 6 there, and we'll just kind of read from there. Therefore, when they had come together... They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus is getting ready to go into heaven. And the first question they have for him is, hey, okay, are you ready now to set up the kingdom? You know, because see, they were expecting, like I say, a physical kingdom. Right. They weren't expecting, see, a lot of people and a lot of preachers out there are saying, oh, no, the millennial reign of Christ, it was just a spiritual kingdom. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a physical kingdom like what we think, but that's not the way the disciples understood it. And they were around Christ for three mm-hmm. and a half years. And we just read on a, a, a listen to another show about how everyone was expecting a physical kingdom. Even James and John, sons of Zebedee, <laughs> they were wanting to be on the right and left hand in his, in his millennial reign, in his kingdom. Right. It, they didn't ex- think this was a spiritual kingdom at all. They were expecting a real physical kingdom. But you see, the way that they were understanding a kingdom is the way that most, I hate to say it, the most people understand kingdoms, Mm -hmm. as in there's rulers and everything else, when Christ's kingdom didn't look quite like that. No, and it nor should it, it, because he was a different kind of king. He wasn't going to be your normal ruler. 
And so what they were expecting was a normal ruling kind of king. And so he had to show, and by answering their question, establish what his father's plan and design was for his kingdom. And the first answer he gives to them about, okay, are you ready to set, to set up your kingdom now? Of course, they must have forgot Matthew chapter 24 where he tells <laughs> them they're going to bring you in front of the magistrates and kill you. Right. And, you know, you'll have to suffer a lot for... <laughs> he essentially tells them in this, he didn't say no. Essentially, his answer was not yet. Because remember, his answer was, it's not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put under his own authority. In other words, that's not a no. That's not, oh, silly. It was a spiritual kingdom I'm setting up. He didn't say that. He was affirming that it was going to be a real physical kingdom, just not yet. It's not for you to know, you know, when it's going to happen, but it will happen eventually. Let's move on here and read because he gives a little bit more detail on there's a, cause there's a couple things that have to happen before his kingdom can be set up. His millennial reign mm -hmm. can be set up and he tells the, tells the apostles, okay, there's a couple things that have got to happen first. Okay, so we're okay. going to read about what's going to happen now, before he could have set up his millennial reign. Right. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The two things they had to do before the millennial reign was going to get set up, Jesus states this in the previous verse before we read this one, was that the Holy Spirit was going to have to come down mm -hmm. on them, and that actually did happen on the day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you read Acts a little bit later, um, in Acts chapter 2, that's when th that event happens, that basically the Spirit came down. But also, the second event that had to happen is that the whole gospel message had to get out to, the. essentially, he was saying, the entire world. Mm -hmm. But he, he doesn't say the entire world here. What he says is that, preach to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which I had a previous show explaining how, yeah, they, they, they accomplished that within one generation. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, by the time the New Testament, while it was still penned, while the ink was still drying on there, <laughs> it was already accomplished. And Paul writes about it. Yeah, yeah everyone mm -hmm. in the world's heard the gospel message. Mm -hmm. And even after that time, there was a great falling away that happened in a lot of the churches. Mm -hmm. That It was like they had a lot happen within those 40 years. But all that transpired within the 40 years. Okay, so we had the two good things that, that accomplished within the 40-year time span that Christ returned. But you notice what this these, quote, two angels that came down uh -huh. in white apparel. Mm. They gave a little bit more detail about this millennial reign, that it wasn't going to be some spiritual millennial reign. Instead, they say, no, he's going to come back in the mm. same way you've seen him go. So, yeah, if you read the book of Revelation, right. especially Revelation chapter 19, you see, you know, Jesus coming on a white horse. Mm. Essentially, he's coming back. He went away physically in the, in, in, through the, into the heavens mm -hmm. and through the heavens, he's going to come back. And essentially, that's what you see in First Thessalonians description of when he comes back and returns. He's going to he's going to come back physically. 
Right. And even in Zechariah 14. Exactly. I was thinking about that one. He explains that, yeah, he's going to set foot on the Mount, Mount of Olives. Olives. Right. Again, see, everything explains a physical coming back. He's coming back physically. He's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. Everything's going to be, it's a physical rain. It's not some spiritual rain. Well, I love how, you know, he explains that the know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So it's God's plan. And we know this for a fact that in throughout the word of, throughout the Bible and the word of God, it's God has a plan. He's always had a plan. And it's always going to be his plan being fulfilled, point blank. And that was that phrase there where it's not for you to know made me think of the, the thought that we say, we hear now so frequently, it's, it's above your pay grade, <laughs> you know? But the idea is we don't need to know all the details. We just have to trust in the Father's plan. And Jesus, we've seen here that he left the way he was going to return was fulfilled. Right. God's word is true and we can trust it. Jesus and God are no liars like the devil. The devil's a liar. He will deceive you any which way he can. But God and Jesus are accurate at fulfilling the truth and the words they proclaim. I love that. I just, I'm just trying to get people to understand, okay, this was a real physical mm. kingdom. Now, it, I believe it wasn't a kingdom that most people would recognize today because there's some other characters of this kingdom that we're going to go into here in the next verses that explain that the kingdom was kind of foreign to most people because their view, their understanding of a kingdom right. isn't the way most people think of a kingdom because we are so programmed into thinking kingdoms mm -hmm. are, you know, you got rulers mm -hmm. over you telling you what to do mm -hmm. and essentially no freedom involved. When I think the Christ millennial rank kingdom was a kingdom of freedom mm -hmm. and some people use that freedom to glorify God. Right. And, of course, we have other people that take that freedom and obviously abuse it. Right. Which is what always happens when you give people freedoms. People are going to either take advantage of that freedom and do it for God's glory, which is what everyone should be doing. Right. But you have always have an element of people that take advantage. Right. And this is what also ha happens during the, during this kind of kingdom. The second characteristic, that's the first characteristic. It's a physical kingdom here on this earth. A couple things had to happen before it came down, and those things were accomplished easily in the first century. We've had shows on how those things were mm -hmm. accomplished. No problem. Okay, So that happened within the first generation. Now, the next thing, we have a story that comes up <laughs> where, of course, they're all expecting right. the kingdom to be a physical kingdom. And here, in this next verse, the next scripture we're going to go over, the sons of Zebedee, their mother, wants to have high positions for James and John. In the kingdom. <laughs> and the, the, what the kingdom they're talking about is obviously the millennial reign. Here. Well, you know, they've spent so much time with Jesus that in their mind's eye, it's going to be a physical kingdom. They're point blank. They were convinced of it. They were looking for it in their time, in this time frame. No, they didn't know exactly all they were going to have to endure. But they were getting their, I guess, anticipation of looking forward to this. And where they fit in this kingdom. When you read the story, it's obvious that they were expecting a physical kingdom. Mm -hmm. It wasn't some spiritual kingdom like a lot of people <laughs> think it's going to be. And this is more evidence on this next passage. Because the mother of James and John were, was trying to do is 
you know, hey, my sons gave up everything to follow you, you know, I want to make sure that they get, you know, high positions <laughs> of power in the in your millennial reign. Everyone was expecting a physical kingdom here, and Jesus never said, oh, this is not a, it's a spiritual kingdom only. It's not a physical uh-huh. kingdom. No, he never said that to her. Mm. He just says, no, I'm sorry. He basically told her, told her no. It's not for, <laughs> I'm not, I'm it's not, not mine to give. Yeah, it's not mine to give, essentially. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he just told her, listen, it's not mine to give the, 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 those positions of power away. But, but the point is, is that, we're going to read this story and we're going to see I, some other details about mm-hmm. this, the millennial reign, and how I think that most people would never recognize this as being a real yeah. kingdom here mm-hmm. because of how Jesus describes this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. He basically tells her, listen, this is really not my position to give, but you notice they did were expecting a real mm. kingdom, and it wasn't some fantasy kingdom, not some spiritual kingdom, oh, a kingdom just in heaven, it wasn't on earth. No, they were expecting an earthly kingdom. She was wanting to kind of, have her sons, obviously, you know, mothers care about their kids, you know, they want the best for their kids. And so he thought, well, if I come and talk to Jesus, maybe, you know, he'll grant me this one thing. And so, yeah, he's explained to her that, you know, are you willing to go through? And of course, they were going to go through yes. everything that Jesus went yes. through. Yes. He even admitted this, but it wasn't him to give this these positions away. 24. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. We realize how the kingdoms of this world look right now. It's you got rulers, you got people that run for political office, you kind of know who these people are. Mm. You know, they, they have these positions of power <clears throat> and obviously they use these positions of power, you know, to their advantage and everything else. Right. This is how the Gentiles or how the kingdoms of this world look. What Jesus is stating in the millennial kingdom is mm. it's not going to be that way in the millennial kingdom. It's not going to be, you're not going to be, they aren't going to be ruling like what the kingdoms of this world, how they rule. What they rule is they rule over people, kind of telling everybody what to do. Oh, you're kind of like my slave now scenario. Instead, it, the way he's describing this is this is a servant kingdom, kingdom where you become a slave. The people that are the highest in the kingdom are the servants of all, which is completely inverted mm-hmm. of what we see in our world today. This is why I'm saying nobody would recognize this kingdom if it was if it was around in this world today. Because this isn't, isn't what a kingdom that we're used to, used to seeing. Well, it's not one that people would think is is worthy of 
Jesus. They would think, oh, he should be the ruler of all and everyone should bow down and worship him. Not that that's not going to happen, but the idea is he's not going to rule like earthly kings rule. He's going to rule the way he died on the cross. You know, he's going to be serving, be compassionate. He wants us to do the same. And I think that's powerful. You know, it's it's not a selfish, greedy, what's in it for me? I'm going to have power and, and usurp all authority and be hurtful and mean. No, I'm going to be loving and kind and giving and looking out for those and serving side by side. Well, this is exactly the way that the kingdom was when God set up the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Mm. Remember, he didn't, he just set up the kingdom there, or essentially the people, and expected them to govern themselves. Right. And and all that. And of course, you know, we know how, <laughs> we, we kind of know how that all ended up. You know, it didn't end up really well because what they ended up doing is they ended up abusing their power. They ended up following other gods. They ended up right. turning away from mm-hmm. God. Yes. And I, I think a lot of this did happen even in Christ's millennial reign too. And, I'll, and I, I think I've talked about that on other, other shows. But this is exactly what happens. When people are given freedom, God expects, okay, listen, I'm going to give you freedom to serve and do what you need to do. You're not going to be bound by a bunch of rules and laws. But then, see, a lot of people will take advantage of that. And other people will then use that to, their, to God's glory. But, see, God always gives us that opportunity. And I think that's what Christ did, too, during his millennial reign is that he was giving people the opportunity to just serve one another, mm. not be bound by a bunch of uh, being, you know, because when when you get lorded over by a government, it stifles your yes. spirit. Yes, it's depressing. It's, it's like a, a, you're enslaved. It's just like when they, they were in Egypt, right. they were enslaved. This is similar mm. to what happens when you are under a governmental authority. Mm-hmm. You're not free. It's oppressive. Yeah, you're, you're being oppressed. Right. And, of course, Christ wasn't going to have an oppressive kingdom. Mm-mm. That's the last thing that he was going to do. <laughs> exactly. The way that we see in our, our society today is all geared towards oppression. Everything about our culture and about our governmental system is that we get taxed, we got to do this, we got to follow this rule, we got to follow that rule. It's so many rules involved that it's like it's we could tell that we are living in a captured society. Exactly. That's the second mm-hmm. characteristic of this kingdom. It was... Not just a physical kingdom, but there was also, it was a servant kingdom. It was a servant where people served one another with enormous amounts of freedom without people lording over. Nobody was going to tell you what to do, give you a bunch of laws and rules. That wasn't the kind of kingdom that Christ's kingdom was set up. He already gave us our Bibles. This was the, the, the rules and the rule book he was going to get. Just like God gave the law in the Old Testament to the people through Moses. That was their rule book. Okay, here, I'm giving you the law. Okay, I expect you to follow this and uh, be adults and all that and, and govern yourself with this book. This is what Christ did during the millennial reign. He just, we had our Bibles. We were expecting to be governed by the, by the word of God. And that was how Christ expected it too. They all, both these kingdoms were very similar. And you see this through the scripture. Mm-hmm. Third characteristic we're going to go into. This is found in Matthew chapter 12. And, see, a lot of people think that, well, you know, Jesus was around showing all these miraculous signs off, you know, showing all these miracles. No, I don't think that the kingdom was that way at all. And I'm going to show you a scripture that mm-hmm. explains that I don't think that there's all these miraculous signs that was going on 
during the millennial reign. And we're going to go over that in Matthew chapter 12 because some of the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted to see a sign from Christ. They always like to see him do all these, quote, magic tricks. You know, what I call magic tricks. You know, just see something fun, something interesting that you do. He just said, no, I'm not going to show you that, essentially. Okay, so let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 there. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Here, basically, Jesus, he <laughs> doesn't pull punches with these guys. You know, it's only an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, <laughs> which is basically what he was telling you is, you guys are evil. You guys are terrible. You're not getting nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are evil, and I see what you guys are doing. You're just wanting this, this miraculous sign for me. This is his answer to them. We aren't to seek after signs. Right. This is why I think that Christ's millennial reign, he didn't have, he wasn't showing a bunch of, quote, signs. He wasn't showing all these miraculous signs all the time. Because it, it, it's people that have a lack of faith that need signs. We know that faith is important. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, you want to go ahead and read that one about faith. Right. This is an important concept to understand that millennial reign you had to have during that time too. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so we know that it's impossible to come to God except through faith. So in the millennial reign, I don't believe there's all these miracles going on because otherwise that would rob everybody of their faith. And that, Christ wasn't going to do that. He was going to allow us to be able to choose without these miracles, right or wrong, good and evil, through his word. No only. influence necessary. You would believe him or not believe him. But I love, he didn't need to prove himself. And I think that's really what it is. They wanted him to prove himself. And I don't think they understood that that wasn't what he needed to do. And he wasn't going to prove himself because he knew who he was and he didn't have to prove himself to them. So the sign of the prophet Jonah, we're going to continue on and read the next few couple verses here because this shows you what the people needed. And Jonah actually is kind of a popular character in the New Testament, as you can see. He shows up a number of times, but go ahead and read the rest of that here. Verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Okay, so there's a couple things about this story of Jonah that you get described as a millennial reign. The one sign that Jesus was going to give them that he was who he said he was and all that was the prophet Jonah, that Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, that he, that Jesus Christ was going to die and come back in three days and three nights. Proof. Right there. And, yeah. And <laughs> to prove that, okay, you won't need proof. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you one more sign. Because you guys are so evil and adulterous, I'll give you one more sign. And so this is a sign he gave them. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you you know read on in the, in the Gospels after this, it doesn't sound too much like they even that sign wasn't even good enough. No, they reject him to this very day. Yeah, uh, they weren't they weren't even going for it. They didn't like. Oh man, he did what he said. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow him. No, no. that's why miraculous signs really don't work. Aren't really good for bringing people 
to come to the Lord. You have to you have to have faith, and you can't get that through a miraculous sign. Matter of fact, this is why they were an evil and adulterous generation. They are the ones that need signs because people like that have zero faith, and they need all this proof today. This is what we the kind of society that we live in today. This yeah. is how you know that the, the day and age we live in is so evil that you, everything has, everybody has to prove everything to some mm. scientific measure or whatever. And you know, I'm I'm done with that. I, I don't yeah. need any of that. I know that all this stuff happened just as it says it is in the Bible. Yes. I don't need evidence and proof of all this stuff. I believe it based. Okay, it's in the Word of God. That's good enough for me. But there's so many people, we're living in such an adulterer, evil, adulterous generation that they were ones that need proof. They need some sign to prove all this. This is where Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's, those are evil. And this is a day and age kind of we're living in now, unfortunately. Well, it's really sad because they're missing the point and they're not seeing what's truly valuable. And that's the faith aspect. And I think when God sees us, trust him with all of our hearts on what he's doing without seeing how it's going to work out. That pleases him. And so faith pleases God. And being obedient to him as Jesus was to him pleases him as well. So I think that's what he's really seeking is that we would be obedient through our faith. And these people didn't want to do any of that. Well, you remember after Jonah was spit up on the dry land after he was in that belly of the fish for three days and three nights. He hightailed it over there to Nineveh. He, he right away, I mean, he was, he, in short order, he got over there. And he wasn't showing, he didn't, he, as far as we can tell, he didn't have any miraculous signs he was showing the no, people of Nineveh. Uh-uh. What he was te- showing the people of Nineveh is that, hey, he was just preaching God's word, a message of repentance. Yeah. And the people of Nineveh repented, not based on any miraculous signs, but based on that his message resonated with the people and they believed him. Well, it convicted them and they sat and sackcloth and ashes. And you notice here it says that the men of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment (laughs) against that generation that he was speaking to. Because, see, they repented not based on any miraculous sign, but based on just... Okay, God's word got preached to us, and we just we 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 submitted to it, and we believed it. This yes. is what God really wants for us. Amen. He wants people just to believe His word, not based on anything other than okay. This is what the Bible says. Let's just follow it. Let's just believe it. You know what that is? That's the power of truth. The power of truth hits you like a ton of bricks, and you submit to it out of obedience, out of faith and trust in what it is. And these guys, they were so hard-headed, that wasn't even good enough. We, we have a few characteristics we've gone on, went over. Physical kingdom. It was a servant kingdom. Mm. There wasn't all these miraculous signs that were going to rob people of their faith because it was going to be no miraculous signs and faith still required. Right. Okay. And we're going to go over one last one here, which is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And this tells us what what I believe kind of gives us an indicator of how things worked in the millennial reign, as mm. and it even worked this way in the in the kingdoms of the past when God set up the nation of Israel. Same thing here, I think, in the millennial reign as well. And we're going to get an indicator of how God deals with people, how He judges people, and what what He does. Okay, well, let's go ahead and read. And we all know the story of the rich man Lazarus. I've I've alluded to it. I've talked about it. We've read parts of it throughout these some of the series. But we're going to read over this again because it gives us a detail mm-hmm. about, I believe, the millennial reign and how it worked towards the end of this. Luke sixteen nineteen through 31 
There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. This rich man taking advantage, treating, treating Lazarus like subhuman, mm. not treating him good, even though he was a poor beggar. Even though the rich man could obviously afford to help mm-hmm. help this guy out, he didn't do anything for mm. him. He just treated him t- terribly. And so, see, this is all going to be come back. See, what, what you're getting judged on, what he's getting judged on here, and what judgment is, is based on how you treat people, not yes. based on yes. somebody punishing you. Oh, we're going to make you. No, God gives us our lives to just follow what he wants us to follow. We need to be living according to his spirit all the time. So both the rich man... And Lazarus died, and they both went down to Hades. And so then they were they were there. Okay, let's go ahead and continue on here. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Okay, so here we have another detail. After death, interestingly enough, it appears that you remember everything that happened to mm. you in your life. Even though your spirit, your, I mean, your spirit and your soul is separated from your body, mm. you still have all your memories. You know, you, you remember all your previous life. Mm. This is important because this is a detail we're getting out of, out of the afterlife that we understand that you're waiting. But then, of course, everything was going to be torment for him because he wasn't top dog no more. He, it was almost like he got, he went to the, he went from the top of the ladder to the bottom of the ladder, I think, in this, which is why you need to become the lowest to right. become the greatest. And, and if we do that, then we get exalted up. Just like mm. the, the beggar, he went from the lowest, and then he be, it's, it's, everything's inverted in the next life, at the resurrection, basically at death. Every, so the way we treat people in this life, mm. everything's inverted mm-hmm. in the next life. If you treat people well, if you mm-hmm. love, and have compassion, that's how you're going to be treated at, when, at death. If you treat people like garbage, that's how yeah. you're going to get treated. Yeah. Simp- it's, it's, it's really as simple as that. Actions speak louder than words. And Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. A lot of regret going on in this rich man's life because of the way he was treating this poor Mm. beggar Lazarus. And now, of course, he wanted, hey, I, you know, I, I, this place, I don't want anybody to come to this place. I want to warn my brothers. Of course, we already talked about, you know, hey, the, these miraculous signs are, are pointless and not going to happen. He wanted to have him send Lazarus over to his brothers to warn him 
Because his brothers were probably as disgusting human beings as he was. <laughs> he had five brothers, and they right. probably were all of them were probably just as evil. This is why you, 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 people need to be treating each other with love and compassion and charity in this life, and then everything's fine when we die. And we're because we're gonna remember. Think about this: what, all the disgusting and terrible things you do. Apparently, you're gonna remember all those things. Mm. In the next life. Mm. That's why if you do servant things, if you mm. serve one another, if you love each other, then what's going to happen? In that, you're going to remember all that. And that's the part that is going to be, mm. it's almost like you reap what you sow, just like the exactly. Bible says. You know, this is going on after death. The rich man now had all this regret going on. And, oh, maybe mm. if you send Lazarus, and we know miraculous science is only for an evil and adulterous generation. Right. You know, hey, I need you to warn my, my five brothers because, you know, I don't want them, them coming to this place either. I'm sorry, uh, that's not, <laughs> not going to happen. Go ahead. We're going to learn why it's not going to happen. There's no afterlife, afterlife messengers. 29. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. Here we're getting this understanding. I believe this is a clue on how the millennial reign worked because here there was just a Bible. Basically what Abraham was telling him is that, no, people have got the Bible. God expects him to follow this word. This is what we have. That's why everyone's going to be judged. If you, we, we talked about this in Revelation chapter 20 and other shows. Everyone's going to be judged based on the books of the Bible. Everybody has access to the Bible. So we God expects us to, well, you know what? You have the law and the prophet. You have the Bible. Mm. Are you going to, f the Holy Word of God? This is what you're going to be judged on. It's not, you're not going to get miraculous signs. You're not going to get all this stuff, and somebody forcing you to do the right and wrong. God expects you to be an adult, expecting, expecting you to mature spiritually to a point where you want to serve one another. You want to care for your brothers and sisters mm. around the world. And you aren't told to do that. And so this is what we're, as spiritual beings, are supposed to be doing here. What we're supposed to be doing is listening to God's word and allowing that to become part of our lives and our hearts. And then using that word to motivate us to serve mm -hmm. one another. So it's not by obligation, but it's by desire to please God and to please one another. There's no force involved. Yeah. So the kingdom of God, I don't think, the, the millennial reign didn't have this force involved where, no, he just, he gave us our word of God. Mm. Just like they have, you have the law and the prophets, he told them. We have the word of God. We have our Bibles. We're expected to read that and go, hey, I know how I, I could take care of my, of my fellow man now. Mm. I need to be motivated to do that now and not just ignore them or whatever else. And his word is enough. Yeah. It's good enough to have mm -hmm. just the word of God. Mm -hmm. But see, everybody wants something more. Mm. And we aren't, of course, you know, he was trying to get, oh, maybe if they see uh, uh, somebody that came from the dead, they'll they'll believe and turn from their ways. And basically, Abraham told him no. Mm. But that's not going to really help them to turn. The, 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 only the word of God. See, this is why you've got to have faith in God. And he. this is an, an expectation involved with how the millennial reign worked and how things work today. And today, unfortunately, we live in an adulterous generation that everyone expects signs and proof and everything else. I don't even bother with The only thing I do is tell people what the Word of God says and give biblical proofs. That's mm -hmm. it. I don't give, 
any kind of proofs based on, oh, do I have any scientific evidence that proves whatever else I'm trying to prove? <laughs> no, I don't care about any of that. Because to me, if the Bible says it, that's good enough for me. And that's why I tell you when I, when I had other shows about how Rome, a world empire, hey, it's, that's what the Bible stated. Do I have proof in scientific proof for that? No, because I just believe the Bible. That's it. You see, this is what we need to get to now. If you really want to have the way that, the, you know, are you going to believe what the Bible states or are you going to not? Right. It's as simple as that. This is why I'll, all I'm bringing you is the biblical proofs. Mm. And to me, that is good. For me, a people a people of faith, that's that's good enough for them. They don't need like, oh, let, let's try to find all this scientific evidence that proves that what you're saying is true, that Rome um, world, uh, ruled the world in, in the time of Christ. I don't need to come up with that because it, to me, the Bible already states it. That's right. all I need to have. And right. previous to them, it was the Greeks that ruled the world. Do I have proof of that? Nope. I just, I just have what the Bible says, and it says that they were running everything. So that's all the proof that we need. But see, these are just examples I'm giving you. I'm showing you, okay, this is what the Bible says. You can either believe it, or you can believe what the world is is dishing out, right. which, you know, we, I mean, we know how that works. Mm. You, you, they, they may give us scientific evidence, but we know how they skew all that, all that data. It's been crafted. Yeah. See, and this is where most people have, have fallen short. Mm. They re, they think that, oh, well, scientists say this or that. Of course, they lie. <laughs> and so, basically, we're in an impasse here. Either mm. you believe God's word, or you're going to believe the scientific, quote, evidence, which they lie about all the time. Well, you know, they they want to have something prop up God's word as the proof of the word of God. God's word needs no proof. And the thing is, it says it's sharper than a two-edged sword able to post to pierce the bone and the marrow so it is a very powerful tool powerful weapon that does not need anything else but what it has as conviction to get us to behave and perform and to submit to god and his authority so that's why what this show is is about i just what all i'm doing on this show i'm presenting you Okay, this is what the Bible states here. Exactly. You can either believe it by faith, or you can just, oh, that Brother Phil guy, he, he, he's a kook, and then ignore it. I, that, I don't care. I'm just presenting you. Here's, I'll give you what the Bible actually states. You can either believe that, or you know, you can take, take your chances on the world to see if they're telling you the truth. Mm. And we, 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 with their track record, honestly, I, I'm not really buying much of what they're selling these days, because obviously they, they, they're deceiving everyone. Exactly. And this is the reason why our world is in such a desperate state right now, is everyone's been buying in all their lies, and they're not, let's get back to just what the Word of God says and just actually believe that. That's why half my shows are on this, okay, here's a topic that no one's talking about here, and I know we don't, I don't have any scientific evidence to prove this, but this is what the Bible states. You can either believe it, or you can reject it. And that's what God expects from us. Are you going to just believe God's word based on what it says? Or are you going to just reject it because it doesn't have the, quote, scientific evidence to back it up? See, this is what's got us into all these problems as a society and culture. See, the devil loves to have his, quote, evidences of science that he's come up with. We know what's got us all into these problems and why our whole world is a bunch of lies now. Collapsing. Is because no one's trusting God's word and is just trusting right. all these quote, experts. Right. Well, let me ask you, how much faith does one need in the Word of God the size of a mustard seed? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, we're talking, you don't need an extraordinary amount. You need to have, it doesn't take much, but you have to have like 100% true that it's true. Believe it, that it is true. But you don't need much. It's the size of a mustard seed. 
that turns into this ginormous tree. But basically... Start small. Yes, yeah, you got to exactly. start small and work your way up. I'm just presenting you what the Word of God says, and which is kind of a revolutionary aspect <laughs> in our society these exactly. days. Because it seems like everyone needs scientific proof, which we know that science is all scientism. It's not real science these days, mostly. And so, yeah, all this archaeological evidence, of course, they all skew all that data to get whatever they wanted to say. Now, I just say, well, listen, this is what the Word of God says. I don't really care what all the scientific data. We, we've, we've went down that road so long. What does that got us? Living a whole world full of lies. That's where it's got us. Well, and living Satan, living where Satan is in control and being okay with that. That's not what God wants. Those, that's not the lives that he wants us to have. We need to be turning back to God, believing in his word, believing in his truth, and pointing others to the truth and letting the word of God convict them. So what I'm suggesting on this show is we need to follow this pattern that Christ laid down during his millennial reign mm. on how we should be living during Satan's little season right now. Amen. In other words, yes, is it a physical kingdom that we're living in? Yeah, because we're serving one another. It's a physical kingdom that we're helping serve our fellow man. We, we don't just, we need to take care of each other, serve one another, love each other as a, like a human being should, as a spiritual person should be caring for each other. Do we want to see all these miraculous signs? No, we don't need that because the, the word of God is good enough for us. See, this is what I'm trying to get people to understand. Just like Christ's millennial reign, didn't she, I don't believe he wasn't showing a bunch of miraculous signs. We aren't getting that either. And are we good enough for that? I'm good enough for that. I can mm -hmm. wait to, um, to see all those miraculous signs at death because that's what we're all looking forward to now. We're looking forward to our death because we have to survive and we have to endure to the end. Right. And that's what it is. We've got to live by faith every day. We're not going to get miraculous signs. It's going to be based on God's word only. And this is why this is exactly what I give you every day. Every time I do a show, mm -hmm. I'm explaining what God's word is about topics that we uh, that are prevalent to us in the 21st century here. All I want people to do is just, this is what the Bible says. Maybe we should probably try to do this. Because whatever we're doing lately in the world seems to not be working. And it looks like our society is going down the tubes quick. And all I'm, I'm trying to get us back to, okay, this is how Christ set up his millennial reign. And this is what he, the way he set it up. Why don't we go back to that model? See, I'm, that's all I do. I was getting patterns in the Bible, and I'm just going by these patterns. And I'm realizing, okay, there's patterns that were in it set up. Why don't we do those same patterns now and, and do it that way today? Instead of just not caring for each other, how, what does that got us? Yeah. Take it or leave it, but it's the truth. We're living in Satan's little season. Not only because it's biblical. Because it just makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non copyright Living in Satan's Low Season production.